0: Amazing Grace Kona welcome you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn to 1 Corinthians. Let me read it to you starting at verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 2. He says, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, for he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or discerned. But he who is spiritual appraises or discerns all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? In other words, instruct the Lord. But we have the mind of Christ. When you become a Christian, God gives you a new mind. Your whole outlook changes radically. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. And when we talk about spiritual things to someone who doesn't have that spirit of Christ, what Paul's saying here is, the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit. You talk to some of your friends, they don't have the mind of Christ, and they're just looking at you like you're from Mars. You could just assume be speaking a foreign language that they don't know because they just look at you like, huh? If you've experienced this, you know... These words are truly true, but we forget these words are in the Bible. Why did he have to write this to this church that was in a what we call sin city of the day? They were in Corinth, this terrible place to be, and yet they were placed there by God as a light in a really dark spiritual place. And yet Paul has to remind them that when you speak spiritual things to someone who's not in the Spirit, we should just put big disclaimer right all around the edge of this. Verse 14. Don't be surprised when they don't accept it. When you have the mind of Christ and you hear spiritual things, notice it says here, the one who is spiritual, verse 15, he who is spiritual, he discerns or appraises all things. Your ability to discern things, whether they're of the Lord or not of the Lord, or hey, that's a bad thing to do, that's a good thing to do, To see value. Now, I like that it uses the word appraise because it's actually closer to the Greek word. It's not just to be able to tell whether doing something is good for you or bad for you, but it's actually seeing the value in doing something good or doing something bad. And it's not only knowing what is good to do, it's actually seeing some value in doing it. When you make an appraisal of a house, you're trying to figure out what's its value. How much is it worth? How much is it worth to take care of ourselves? I know for me, I feel so much better and alive and appreciate the day just if I get to do this silly little discipline of eating small meals every couple hours because I feel like I have more energy. This is a physical discipline down here on this plane, and up here is a godly discipline. This is a shadow of this truth. So if I need to eat regularly to feed this physical body, what do I need to do to feed my spiritual body? I need a regular discipline of eating, a regular discipline of exercise. See, Paul will use these very terms, exercise your spiritual gifts that you have been given by the Holy Ghost. Some of you have gifts, but some of you are like those people that buy the gym equipment, the really good stuff, and then you go to their house and you're like, have you ever used this? It looks brand new. I I mean, there's still the little sticker on the pull tab here you know you're supposed to move this thing they got the fanciest gym and you're like it doesn't do any good and and by the way the only reason i use these examples because people they can identify they know people have bought the gym equipment and not used it or they used it for a week or two the bummer is that spiritually when it comes to spiritual gifts there's a lot of christians in the first few weeks that they get a gift from god they are so excited they get it out of the package they use it a couple times and then it's like the gym they stop using it And Paul would be the guy to exhort him. Don't you dare. You didn't get the gym equipment to stop using it. And you didn't get those spiritual gifts so you would stop using them. They're for a purpose. And when you exercise your spiritual gifts, who gets the benefit? Yes, the person that you're serving with your gift gets a benefit. And you get a benefit because it strengthens you spiritually. And guys, in this day, we have a lot of weak Christians Really weak and carnal Christians. And Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, they were known for being that carnal church. So he's got to turn their mind now to the focus it's got to get on so that they can become strong spiritually. They're not strong yet. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord, verse 16, the last verse of chapter 2, that he will instruct the Lord. He's quoting, by the way, from Isaiah 40. Who has known God's mind that you get to tell him what to do? We don't know, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual men. They weren't really walking in the Spirit, so he couldn't really address them as guys in the Spirit. He said, rather, as men of flesh, as really as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, like you give milk to a baby. He said, I couldn't really give you meat not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. And indeed, even now, to this church, they were not able to receive the meatier things of the Spirit. Look at the reason, verse 3. For you are still fleshly. For since there's jealousy and there's strife amongst you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? Mere men are very carnal-minded, very fleshly, very jealous of different things and Well, later, we're not there yet. When we get to the love chapter, say love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous, but carnal people are. They really are. They they see someone else has something, they're like, I'm jealous, they have it. Or they covet that thing. As you grow in the Lord, you don't actually covet other people's stuff, because you're like, you know, God gave it to them, and that's a blessing for them, maybe they needed it. And you know if God needed you to have one, he's a very big God. He could get you one, maybe even better. That's my secret to not coveting. Don't ever pray, God, I want what they have. Because you don't know. It might be a lemon under the hood. You're going, I want their car. And they're going, man, I want to get rid of this thing. Piece of junk. But you're only judging by outward appearance. That's a carnal mind. A spiritual mind says, you know what, God knows what I need. And if that's included, he can take care of it. I don't have to really worry about that. But they were walking just like mere men. Now, verse 40, for when one of you says, I'm of Paul, and another one says, I'm of Apollos, he says, are you not mere men? He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? We're just servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one of us. I planted, Apollos watered, but God, God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but it is God who causes the growth. You know, any farmer knows, so when you plant something, you put it in the ground. In ancient days, they counted on the Lord for the rain to do the watering, directing water that he had already brought to the earth. Men forget that he's still the one in control of the water. And yet, we don't really make the plant grow. All we can do is stick the seed in the ground and put water on it. It's God that makes it grow. And Paul says when it comes to spiritual growth in other people's lives, you just got to remember it's he that causes the growth. This is where the difference between a carnal Christian and a more mature Christian begins to be more apparent. The more mature Christian is not Identifying with, I'm of that person, or I belong to this church, I'm part of that gang, or I follow this leader or that leader. We have in our culture personality cults to the max. I mean, we really do. We have, well, I go to the Glass Garden Church, and I go to the Crystal Cathedral, or I go to, and they tell the names of these fellows that started those works, and I don't want to knock them, but they're nothing, just like I'm nothing. Just like what Paul said Apollo is nothing, Paul says, I'm nothing. It's God who's everything. When you go to church, I pray that wherever church you go to, the pastor keeps pointing you to the Lord. He's the one where our focus should be, never on men. It's not about following a man. It's about following the Lord. And even Paul himself, when he had new believers, he would say, look, okay, you don't know how to do it. Fine. You can be an imitator of me, he says, as I am an imitator of Christ. I'll just show you by example. And eventually, you won't even need to see me because you'll get the hang of it and you'll be copying the Lord directly yourself. I've used this before as one of the most challenging ways to see. How's your spiritual walk going? You're not sure? How about you have a friend who didn't grow up at all, no exposure to Christianity, never got to go to church. And believe me, on this island, there's quite a few. And you get to meet one of them, and they say, I don't know anything about this. How would I do it? Could you say like Paul did? You don't know how to do this? Okay. Just copy everything you see me do as I copy the Lord. And you go, but wait a minute. What if there's something you do that you know that's not really the Lord? (laughs) This is where it cleans up your act. Because really, if we would be like Paul, and Paul was willing to do this, he's like, you don't know how to do it? Fine. Fine. Be an imitator of me as I am an imitator of Christ. That takes some guts. I mean, that takes commitment to your faith. Because if you say that, especially, by the way, if you want to really get it dialed in quick for your walk, do that with a child. Do that with a Sunday school class. Okay, kids, I'll show you how to be a Christian. Because believe me, anything you do wrong, they will catch you. So when you say to a kid... Here's how to be a Christian. Follow my example. Now, you need to be clear to tell him, eventually you won't even need me in the way. You'll get the whole hang of this so good, you will imitate the Lord, and hopefully you'll say to someone else someday, now you imitate me as I imitate the Lord. That's what we want to do, is grow to where we're all being the imitators of Jesus. Paul says, I'm nothing. Apollos is nothing. God's everything. He's the one that causes the growth. Verse 8, he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation on another than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone we read in Hebrews, that the whole building is built upon. There's no other foundation you should lay down for someone's faith other than Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. That's the whole firm foundation of our faith. If they veer away from that, they're building on a a wrong building for faith. If you're building it on Muhammad or Buddha, Or any other person, you've got the wrong foundation for your faith. Now, some people say, well, you're really fundamentalist. You're really narrow-minded. Listen, don't get mad at me, okay? Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. Period. He didn't go, well, I am one of many ways. See, either he is a full-out liar... Or he was absolutely who he said he was. The son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, to show us the way to God. Buddha didn't say he was the way. In fact, Buddha said, there has to be a God. Look at the evidence of all creation. It it testifies there is a very creative creator. He seemed to be quite intellectual. Very observant man. But he seemed to look around and go, wow, if there's all this design then there's got to be a designer. And I choose to call that designer God, he says. So therefore, we must seek the way to God. That's the principal teaching of Buddhism, by the way. You want to meet someone, they say they're Buddhist, say, are you a true Buddhist? This is what you want to do. Boil it right down. A true Buddhist is a seeker of the way to God. That's the very fundamental teaching of Buddhism. And the beauty of it is, he came 400 years before Christ. I'm rounding off, 400 BC. I believe if he had lived after Jesus, he would have become a Christian. He just lived before Christ came. But he recognized just by looking at creation and seeing the intricacies, how a flower has a certain bee that's attracted to it and goes and pollinates that one to that one. And he said, look at all these things. They can't be by coincidence. It's just too wonderfully, majestically made. There's got to be a designer. Someone made this. We've got to seek the way to him. We've got to find the way. And I love to find true Buddhists. Because I get to go, oh, John 14, 6. The one you were looking for? Found it. Got your answer for you. He's the way, the truth, the life. No one gets the father except through him. I got the way for you. If you're a true Buddhist, you're going to be really happy about this. Because they can find the way to God. Now here, Paul says, there is no other foundation which should be laid other than Jesus Christ. You can highlight that in verse 11. Now he says, If any man builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones or with wood or hay or straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, after it's been tested by fire this is, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Investing in stuff is a waste. Investing in people, that's the only thing we take with us. Because the spiritual mind knows I can't take any physical stuff with me, but I can take the souls that I touch in Christ. I mean, how much did Jesus amass? They were fighting over his robe and his undergarment. Remember the soldiers? They didn't say, and we want your house, and we want all your stuff. He didn't have stuff. If stuff was the goal of our Christian faith, I submit to you that we've been duped with a very watered-down gospel that is very carnal and very not spiritual. And somebody forgot to preach 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because this just happens to address that carnal issue just ancient times, but it's the same problem. Everybody was amassing stuff and worried about what house they had and what trinkets they had to decorate their house and all the stuff, and they forgot about what's really important is people. If you put more value on your stuff than you do on people, you will turn into a miserable ogre by the end of your days. And to be honest, most people won't want to be around you because it becomes really apparent as time progresses in ecclesiastes it says that the living the living take it to heart that this whole life is a bunch of vanity emptiness it says it, it's actually more blessed to go to a funeral than a party because this is the end of every man every one of us is going to face leaving this earth and if you don't take it to heart you really don't figure out what's important you don't figure out what's important with your relationships You don't figure out what's important in keeping things in perspective. The people who all they do is amass stuff. I hate to tell you this, but I've been at funerals where the people were the wealthiest, wealthiest individuals. And there's nobody there. And the kids who are there are only there because they just want to get it over with so they can divide the inheritance. And they usually have cursings to say about the person that departed. I mean, I've been at funerals where they had such little, but they were always so giving. And loving and investing in people. And those funerals, they're packed. Those funerals, they have touched so many lives. And I see, wow, what's a difference of value a life can make? Think about how much difference has our life made in others' lives. When we go, are they going to go, wow, glad he's gone. Or are they going to be weeping because of the impact that you had and the love that you showed and invested in those people's lives? You should have invested in stuff. You should have bought more stuff. Why? Could you take that stuff with you? Don't worry. Even a carnal man, it's funny, they have a blinder on. I can tell them that. I said, what, you plan on bringing a U-Haul to heaven? Or for your case, maybe not. Doesn't matter. You know, you never see the hearse pulling the U-Haul with all their stuff. And if they bury their stuff with them, don't worry, grave robbers come and dig it up and take it away. Because they ain't taking it out of here. I mean, even those pharaohs that put it all in those tombs, later, what somebody do? Come and grab the stuff. They rob it because the stuff didn't actually leave this earth with them, even though they had that silly deception. Wake up. I'm here to say, and this is spiritual words, to the person who's maybe carnally minded, wake up. Get a mind of Christ. You need to be born again in the Spirit because this, what I'm sharing, will make your life of value. It'll make it where at the end of your days, people will be going, man, we're going to miss them. But only till we see them again in heaven. It helps the perspective. These things, hopefully to you, will be like, you'll go, wow, I see a value in that. There is a value in living for Christ. There is a value in not making it the emphasis about stuff, making it about the people. The stuff is just there to help you take care of people. If you keep that mindset, stuff can be used to help a lot of people. But if you don't, you're going to get, well, like he said, the fleshly guys were jealous, selfish. It's all about them. I guess my stuff, my stuff. That's not why you were gifted that stuff from God. You're gifted that stuff because he wants to bless you, but maybe he wants to bless you so that you could be a blessing. He never called you to be a dam for the blessings of his river that he's flowing into your life. He called you to be a conduit for it to pass through. You know what happens when water gets dammed up, right? If you seal off water, you only let water in, what will happen to the life in that body of water? If it has no outlet, it'll become stale and stagnant and start to stink. And you know, there are people that are just like that dam when it comes to everything that comes to them. It's mine. It's mine. I got it. It's mine. And then they wonder why no one wants to go around. You stink. But the ones that are a conduit that the stuff comes to and it blesses others and it passes through and... The cure to that stagnant water is actually punch a hole through the dam and let some outlet go. And that brings life back to the body of water. It's the same thing in our lives. You weren't given all that stuff, so you just hold it. You're given so that you could use it as a conduit to bless others. And you know what the funny thing is? is Some of the most successful people pay guys like Anthony Robbins $10,000 to go listen to him. So they can learn these things, and they have these all-day seminars. And he points out that the most successful people in the world do not hold on to all of the stuff that comes their way. One of the pastors I heard on, on the radio, he went over to Israel. He met with a completed Jew. He's a Jewish man that believes in Jesus as his Messiah. That's a completed Jew. And he's the fifth richest person in the world today in the billions at all. owns real estate on the old Temple Mount. And so he was asking him, what do you attribute your success to? And he said, well, he quotes a verse from the Old Testament that is, sow your seeds or or your bread on the waters liberally, like put it out there. Everything that comes to you, you're given to spread out to others. So he gives and gives to so many different things. And yet he's giving and giving. He's trying to give away his wealth all the time, and it just keeps increasing. Because what does the scripture say? Give and it will be given to you. How much do you get given to you? It says good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be measured to you. This is a spiritual principle, but natural ears cannot believe this. That if you give away things in the name of the Lord, don't be foolish about it. Do it when he leads you to. This is a spiritual word. But when his spirit puts it on your heart, go help that person or go give them that. And you do it. What will happen to your life? You will get back. I can tell you this from experience. You cannot outgive the Lord. It's, it's impossible. You think, well, you, I feel like I'm supposed to give that person that. So you give it to him. And all of a sudden, someone comes and gives you two of them. I just gave away, you know, one of these. Okay, well, I'll give away another one. Then two more come. And you're like, I got three. I only need one. And the Lord's going, that's right. So why do you have the extra two? So you keep giving. And you get to learn the principle that we have a giving God who wants to teach us to not be stingy little children. Because you know how it is when you give some kids their candy. They ain't sharing with nobody. This is mine. And some of you are just like those stingy little kids when you get something from God. How, as a parent, when you see your child, you bless them with something and they go and share it. I mean, I could tell you as an earthly father, that's the kid I want to give more to. How do you think our Heavenly Father feels when we are generous with what we have? Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at amazinggracekona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.